Hello and welcome to Matthew Murray's Monday Morning Podcast. It's great to be here for episode three. I want to thank everybody for helping us get the podcast listed on so many different services. We are now on Apple Play, Apple Tunes, Apple iTunes, whatever the Apple. I'm not an Apple guy. But the Apple version of Spotify, uh, we're on there now. We've got Spotify, we've got all the other little podcast deolies going, and uh, we're here for episode three. So last week I had a whole bunch of topics uh, all written out and ready to go, and I thought that didn't work well at all. Uh, in contrast, this week I've got nothing. I We were in Edmonton a week ago. Uh, I did the podcast there uh, a little late last week, uh, earlier this week, because uh, of the, the week we spent in Edmonton. I caught some form of Mongolian death flu. So I had mentioned in the last podcast that I was feeling a little under the water, uh, which is even worse than under the weather. That's my new thing. That's what we say here in Saskatchewan. We say under the water. It's a Saskatchewan phrase. It's totally real. I didn't make it up. Um, and I've just been coughing through my soul. I have been angering everyone at work because they're like, when you're this thick, you really shouldn't be here at work because you're just getting all of us sick. And I'm like, well, I've actually got a whole lot of sales calls to make and a lot of business to do, and you'll all get mad if I don't do it. So, uh, and it's also invoicing week. So here I am, haha. So I did that horrible thing that that one guy at the office does, where like you're three cubicles down, and all you hear is some guy going. So that's been me. So uh, to all my coworkers that don't bother to listen to my podcast, I'm sorry, uh, and I'm back. So uh, I had mentioned a couple times that uh, we were going to have a Melissa Murray uh, minute. Uh, that was a bit of a gross misestimation uh, of time. Uh, Melissa did get angry. Now, I think one of the things that I'm trying to capture by allowing a little bit of audio time to my wonderful wife, Melissa, is um, she has a capacity for hate that I think is truly unique to her. I mean, we all get angry. We all have, have things that we get upset about, and we all have our own triggers. Some people are very politically uh, inclined, and they get upset when their person doesn't win, or they're uh, anti-Trump or whatever. We have some people who are very sports-minded, and when their team doesn't win, they get mad and they flip cars. Everyone's got their own little set of things that really gets them mad. But in general, most people are pretty even keel. Uh, Melissa, on the other hand, she has a real pure hate. She's got a, a, just a lot of anger, and uh, I've been trying to get her into uh, boxing or uh, kickboxing, some sort of physical expression of that anger, because I'm pretty sure at one night she's just going to shank me. But if the podcast could become an outlet for that anger and perhaps be semi-entertaining in the, in the, in the process... I thought, hey, maybe she could do a little two, three-minute rant. We'd call it Melissa's Minute on the Matthew Murray Monday Morning Podcast. Because, you know, we got a lot of M's going there. So she finally did her first recording. It clocks in at 21 minutes. So the first thing I've noticed uh, by having her join the podcast here, uh, she's gobbled up my entire podcast. And I think maybe she will uh, try and uh, tighten it up here in, in future recordings. Uh, the second thing I've noticed is we had to switch the settings on this podcast from uh, family-friendly to explicit, uh, because quite frankly, she swears worse than uh, your crazy uncle that uh, you know you don't listen to at Christmas dinner. 
So I'm just giving you guys a heads up. There's some quality hate uh, coming out there. And I think there's a purity in that. I think when you are able to hate something so completely, especially when it's something that's not really impacting you, that's a skill. That's something that can be, uh, you know, transformed and, and moved over to productive areas of your life. So if theoretically, if she's capable of that degree of hate, she must also be capable of that degree of love. And when I see that, I will certainly inform you. That will be a Melissa Murray uh, moment of maturity and, and mothering. I don't know what I'm running out of M words for it. But uh, when the day comes when something amazing has happened and she just wants to profess her love and admiration for something, well, I'm sure we'll get that contributed as well. But for this podcast, it's going to be what I promised last week, which was a bit of a Star Wars rant. And then, see, that's a good thing to see as well in terms of a contrast. You'll see me voicing my my disapproval of the new Star Wars and trying to put together some rationed arguments around what it is that displeases me. And then we'll just follow that up with pure hate. It's like I'm the appetizer this week, right? Just get a little taste of, mm, that's not bad. Yeah, he seems to have a few points there about uh, that makes a lot of sense to write on, wow, this woman could nuke a small country. Uh, we should fear her. So I'm the appetizer this week. And with no ad reads, uh, we don't have any ad reads uh, this week. We should clock in around the same time. So September 1st, here we are in 2019. Uh, I like to uh, use the first of the month and the 15th of the month to try and use them as a hard reset days. I'm going to try and uh, eat a little bit better, live a little bit cleaner here. I don't want to get into a big rant on this in this podcast, but I just wanted it noted here that as of September 1st, I heard a really good piece of information, uh, advice recently. Um, and so the piece of advice, uh, one of those uh, cliche colloquialisms, but it was a good phrase. I, it seemed to really resonate with me. It was sometimes the only way out of a situation or the only way out is through. And I am a little known for trying to always find the shortcut or the way around. And some situations you just have to meet head on. There's really no fancy way around it. And if you've been interacting with me on a personal basis, if you've seen my act on matthewmurray.ca, uh, you'll notice I'm a, I'm a bit of a doughboy, a little on the soft side, and there's really no ways around that. There's no back doors. So through straightforward, this is not going to become one of those, oh, I had a kale salad and now I feel great and uh, I'm going to tell everyone about my life choices. I'm not going to complain about my lack of junk food that will be coming in the near future. I'm just going to try and be honest about the uh, the experience as I go forward. But here we are September 1st and we're going to try and do it a little bit cleaner and a little bit nicer because the only way out of this situation is through it. Um, or I could just lose a limb. I think that would be a pretty significant weight loss. And uh, quite frankly, I think uh, dudes with one leg uh, have some advantages. Um, they can lean further. Uh, boy, I don't know where to go with that. Kind of painted myself into a corner verbally there. But uh, I'll come up with some other advantages that they would have. Uh, they can pivot. You could probably spin a lot better. Uh, yeah, so rather than lose a limb, I'll just try and lose a little uh, off the plate and therefore a little off the middle. 
So the new Star Wars. Yep, I know you're all like, oh, here we go, nerd talk. Well, it's my podcast, damn it. I'm not going to go into the deep nerd. We're not going to go full on nerd here. We're not going to talk about whether the, you know, did the resistance have enough ships to really possibly fight the empire? I'm not going to go that way. What I am going to say with regards to the new Star Wars and, and where it upsets me is they specifically decided to subvert expectations, which I know is an overused phrase in Nerdville these days. Uh, basically, in the last movie, The Last Jedi, the director decided, I'm going to undo everything that we've known about Star Wars for the last 30, what, I'm 77 was the first movie. So uh, in the last uh, 30, 40, uh, I don't know, that many years, I'm just going to say that all didn't really count and I'm going to do it my way. And the fan base quite correctly went, no, dickhead, this has been around longer than you have. We'd kind of like you not to screw with absolutely everything. You can tinker with it a little bit, but you've really taken the very base premises of what we like about this and thrown it out the window for the sake of being edgy. And to that, I will honestly just say, fuck you. Like, I, I can't not swear about that. You you took my childhood icon and you killed him off without fanfare. You took everything I liked about the show and you threw it in the trash. You wrote a plot that makes no sense. It was shit. It was an absolute shit burger of a movie. And so what I think about when it comes to, to this next movie is, unfortunately, it's a second apology letter to Star Wars fans. I think uh, we all know that the prequels that uh, George Lucas did, he went a little off the rails, kind of got a little crazy with the ideas. And when Disney bought Star Wars for $4 billion, which is not a uh, small amount of money, they realized we've got to get a lot of investment out of this Star Wars. So what do we do? We got to bring back the original characters. We got to take the movie forward. People would love to see what's happened to them 30 years later. Uh, they announced the new movie. And they brought J.J. Abrams in, and he was tasked with almost an impossible wish list. It was uh, say sorry for the prequels and erase all the silly things that George Lucas did, bring back all the fanboys, write a cohesive story with actors that are now 30 years older, and at the same time introduce a brand new cast, make it familiar enough that all of the Star Wars fans love it, make it new enough that we can sell a whole new line of toys and actors and Halloween costumes and everything else that comes with Star Wars, and do it all in about two, two and a half hours. And that was a ridiculously tall bill for any director or writer to do. And for the most part, they pulled it off. Uh, it's a flawed movie, uh, the episode seven, the first one that they came out with, but they got the job done. They they rested. It was kind of JJ saying, "Look, chill. I know lightsabers, Millennium Falcon, good guys, bad guys. Boom, lots of mystery, lots of unexplained things that need to get revealed in future movies. He had the formula down." And we got back into it. We went, okay, now that uh, we've erased the mistakes of the prequels, let's move forward. And they absolutely shit the bed with eight. And and from what I understand, 
they they really like Marvel uh, in contrast they've had this huge overarching design for these last 22 movies they've been doing about how they would wrap it all up in Endgame and they may not have known three movies in that they were going to do 22 movies in one giant arc but they at least always had the next couple movies in mind as they made each movie from what I understand and I don't read a ton of it but they basically just went to the Star Wars 8 guy and went, yeah, just do it, do what you're going to do. And J.J. Abrams in 7 had obviously left a lot of open doors, a lot of questions, a lot of riddles, a lot of mysteries, thinking the best way I can set up the future directors and writers to succeed is to give them lots to work with. Uh, what does this mean? What does that mean? How does this person interact with that person? He left a whole ton of questions, which is great. Anytime you know a sequel is coming, you need to leave questions. And then the director Frey was like, "Yeah, it's, never mind. We don't. All those guys, it's stupid. This is where I'm going." It was like he grabbed the wheel, pulled it off the road. We drove down the ditch onto another highway, uh, and then we drove across that highway. We ran over a family of ducks, flew off a bridge onto the back of a garbage scow, and that garbage scow then took a wrong turn onto the I-90. That's just how left turn he took. So. What I'm looking at when I see the trailer for episode nine, what I see is, hey, guys, we're sorry again. They had to bring J.J. Abrams back. They're like, J.J., we're sorry. We took our eye off the ball for one minute. We let this screwball come in. He's fucked shit up. Uh, Solo, the movie, died as a result. I know the fanboys are mad. We got to fix this. And of course, the way you fix things in Hollywood is, is what we call retconning or just undoing everything that happened. I expect J.J. There used to be a joke when the new uh, movies were going to come out. Uh, it was on Simpsons where the opening crawl to Star Wars said nothing that happened in the prequels actually happened. And everyone applauded like, oh, yay, we're forgetting about all that crap. This is almost what J.J.'s got to do again. The, the preview for nine isn't just a preview for nine. pardon me it's a 40 second nostalgia trip through all the movies we love and then 10 seconds of nine like they know just how how pissed off we are that they had to remind us about all the cool stuff that we liked before they showed us the 10 seconds of the new movie to make us try and emotionally invest one more time and i'd be willing to cut them more slack if Marvel hadn't just done such an absolutely brilliant job of Endgame, it used to, I used to think that J.J. Abrams couldn't have possibly done a Star Wars Episode Seven that would have satisfied everybody because it's just not possible. It's too big a movie. It's too big a vision. There's too many people who want too many things out of the show. You can't possibly please everybody. And Game of Thrones, which I did not watch. I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but you have to acknowledge that Game of Thrones was a massively popular show. Uh, went six or seven seasons, I think, and everyone was loving it. And then my understanding is the, the the conclusion disappointed majority of the fans. It is possible to write a satisfying conclusion. And Marvel showed that you can do it with Endgame. So I'm a little less forgiving of Star Wars this time around. It used to be you know, my vision of the Jedi, my vision of Star Wars, that's never going to show up on Hollywood screens. 
So I should at least take what they give me and be happy with it. And then Marvel went and gave me absolutely everything I wanted. Like everything. Endgame was so unbelievably satisfactory on every single sense and emotion that now Star Wars just looks flat. Star Wars used to be the mythological world or anything could possibly happen. And now it's the world where nothing will probably happen. So am I going to go see it? Yeah, not on opening day. Uh, not going to be lined up like I was before. On a personal note, outside of all the logical stuff, you killed off my childhood hero, which for no reason. So I'm always going to be pissed about that. And I don't know who does that. Like, who would go see a Superman movie to watch Superman get whacked? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So there's my, my Star Wars rant. I just don't think it can possibly... I don't want to see the apology letter again. I know in the first 30 minutes, they're going to undo everything they did in 8. In the next 30 minutes, they're going to set it up to do what they should have done in 8. And then I'm going to get a whole ton of fan service. I'm going to get tons of lightsabers. The Emperor is going to come and do something. Something Luke's going to have to do something because he's he went out like a bitch. So he's got to be a force ghost. I have zero desire to see what happens with Ray or Kylo Ren. I don't care. I have no emotional investment of any of those characters. And all the characters I like are dead. So off you go. Have a good one. So that's my rant. Um, I would have more usually. But uh, like I said, I've been fighting uh, absolute malaria. So I don't have any fancy uh, transition software musical effects. So I'm just going to be quiet for a few seconds. Now, uh, I will let you guys know again before you listen to the Melissa Murray Minute. Uh, she did not record it on my amazing microphone, so occasionally her phone beeps while she's uh, doing the recording. That's just a byproduct of her doing it on her phone. Uh, and I do want to say thank you very much to her, because otherwise we'd be here at the 18-minute mark, and you'd be hearing me read uh, this Taco Time flyer that I have on my desk right now that says, A Super Beef or Bean Burrito Combo for Only $7. Uh, rather than me reading miscellaneous pieces of paper, I can throw it over to her and then I will come back and wrap it up here at the end of the show. Again, explicit uh, language uh, warning, uh, all in good fun. Uh, enjoy the pure hatred that is my wife. Hello, podcast world. This is Melissa Murray coming at you from my car. Uh, I am the wife of the very funny comedian Matthew Murray, and he has started his very own podcast and asked me if I would do a guest spot. Now, I don't think he really understood what that meant because I tend to ramble a lot. Now, he wanted to call this segment a Melissa Minute. I can guarantee you this is going to be way longer than a minute. Um, also, I should tell you right now, I do not have one of those super expensive podcast microphones, which I hear is the key to an absolutely awesome podcast. So um, this could be really disappointing for you because I, I don't have one of those microphones, you know. Um, I hear Matthew Murray has one, you know, but... But I don't. And he didn't offer me to use his. So um, this is what you got. So hopefully uh, it's going to be okay. 
So a little bit about me. Um, like I said, I am married to the very funny comedian Matthew Murray. Uh, we have one beautiful three-year-old daughter together, and uh, I'm currently a stay-at-home mom. Now, that's great. I love being a stay-at-home mom, and uh, you know, I, I have to give a big shout out to Matthew Murray for. Um, working really hard and working extra hours every week just to make it possible for me to be a stay-at-home mom and take care of our daughter because, you know, a one-income family in today's world is not easy. Um, it's it's really hard. And um, luckily, uh, I have an awesome husband who um, supports the decision of me staying home with Violet. He agreed that was probably the best decision for us instead of putting her in very expensive daycare. Um, so I love being a stay-at-home mom. One downside to being a stay-at-home mom is I literally have a three-year-old and our chihuahua to talk to 24-7 every day. I don't get to go out much. Um, because like I said, in order to facilitate me staying home, Matthew does have to put in extra hours every week. So he works really hard and he goes to work very early in the morning and comes home from work very late at night. Does a lot of traveling with his comedy, which does not give me many hours in a day, uh, let alone to myself, but also to step outside of our four walls and, you know, experience the world. So... Considering I only have a three-year-old and a chihuahua to talk to, this podcast could get really intense because now you guys are all my very best friends and I'm going to just talk to you because you're adults and sometimes you just need to talk to an adult. So um, I'm not really sure what my topics are going to be. I One thing I'll tell you about me too is I am a straight shooter. I don't sugarcoat shit. Oh, and that reminds me, we need to put an explicit warning on this because I tend to swear a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if Matthew um, is swearing a lot in his podcast, but uh, get ready because there's going to be a lot of swearing coming at you here. Um, But yeah, I'm a straight shooter. I don't sugarcoat anything. I tell it like it is. I'm brutally honest. And I'm not, I'm not that way to hurt anyone's feelings or to be mean. That's just who I am. I think honesty is important. And, uh, you know, I don't like, I don't like tiptoeing around things. I don't like, you know, all that crap. Like, just, just tell me, just tell me what's going on. And that's, that's what I do. Uh, I'm also an open book. Um, you can ask me anything you want to ask me and I will give you the full answer a hundred percent honest. My only uh, stipulation with that is if you're going to ask me a question, you got to be prepared to hear the answer guys, because like I said, I'm brutally honest and you may not like the answer nine times out of 10, you're not going to like the answer. Um, So as long as you're prepared for whatever I have to say, then go for it. Ask me any questions you want, you know, whatever. I will answer them fully. Um, I've lived in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan all my life, and I'm going to be uh, 39 this year. So for 39 years, I have lived here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And don't get me wrong, it's beautiful here. You know, I, I love Saskatoon. It's a perfect size for me. I don't want anything bigger or smaller. It's a great size of a city. But there's some really fucking dumb people that live here. And it's getting worse 
And I'm sure, you know, wherever you live, there's probably dumb people there too, but you have not seen the stupidity until you have lived in Saskatoon. And I think that's what I want to talk about today. Now, there's a lot of stupid things that I see and I hear every day, and there's so many topics. So the nice thing about that is I'm never going to run out of things to talk about. Um, The first one I want to talk about, I actually came across last night. Now, I, like many of you, I scroll Facebook a lot, you know, Um, and I come across some really stupid things. And sometimes I comment and sometimes I don't. But I had to comment on this and I don't know, give me, you know, like, tell me, you know, what do you think about this? Because I'm going to change the names here to protect, you know, the people I'm talking about. Because the point of this is not for me to call anybody out or to, you know, give you names of people that I think are stupid. That, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to have an outlet to talk to you about things that I find aggravating or don't make sense. And this is my outlet to do that. So I'm going to change the names here. And I'm just going to read you uh, a couple things. Now, the first one here, this is, um, this is what it says. Um, so, and again, changing names. Uh, this is a GoFundMe page started by a friend of Trina's to try and get our inventory back. We have had such an incredible outpouring of support through all this with customers donating products to us to sell and customers coming in and spending their hard earned money. And obviously we prefer that because then we get to see you and visit and see you walk out with something cool. We're just putting this here in case you live out of town and want to support us even if you just want to share it, but there's no obligation. Just a last ditch attempt to get the word out. We appreciate you no matter what. And then after that, there's a link here to the GoFundMe page. So just reading that portion, I thought, oh my God, get their inventory back. Did they get robbed? You know, like what, what happens? I'm starting to feel for them. You know, I'm starting to to let my guard down and my emotions take over. And then I click on the link for the GoFundMe and this is what I read. Now, first of all, they have raised $540 from nine different donors. Now that $540 is toward their goal of $38,000. Let me say that again, $38,000 thousand dollars. What the fuck? So then I read the GoFundMe and this is what it says. Tim loves comics and pop culture. Always has, always will. Comic books were his lifeline as a child and that continued into adulthood along with his dream to own and operate his own store. Tim's vision and passion is to take his love for comic books and pop culture and make a difference in people's lives. The vision became a reality a couple years ago when Tim and Trina decided to take the plunge. They cashed in pensions, RRSPs, remortgaged the house. And 
sorry, I'm trying to think of a, a name change here, and Comics for All and Collectibles was born. Okay, first of all, who the fuck cashes in pensions, RSPs, remortgages the house to start a business? Number one, that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard of in my life. Businesses pop up all the time and businesses fail every day. Why would you risk your retirement, your home to start a business? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't follow your dream. Don't try to make it a reality. But start small, people. I mean, fuck, do it out of your house. Get an online presence. Do an online store where people can order comics online and you ship them out to them. Do it in your basement. Do it at your kitchen table. Start small. See if it's going to work. And then if it's working and people are supporting you and you're making money, then eventually when you have enough capital or you secure an investor, then you can get a storefront. Now, let me stop you right now because I know you guys, some of you out there are getting mad at me and saying, well, Melissa, what the fuck do you know about business? I'll tell you what I know about business. I owned and operated a very successful wedding store in Saskatoon for over five years. I am not talking out of my ass. <clears throat> I, I get it. I've done it. I've started a business. I've ran a business. I know the struggles. I know what you have to juggle. I know all of that. So I'm not talking out of my ass, guys. I'm talking from experience. I get it. Okay? So that was the first thing I read. And I'm like, what the fuck? Okay? Carrying on with the story. One of the first projects after opening was to form an alliance with the Comic Books for Kids program. This cause is near and dear to Tim, and he is determined to do his part and make a difference. They have been providing comic books to hospitals and children care facilities like Ronald McDonald House and Alvin Buckwold School so the kids can escape the troubles and challenges in their lives, if even for just a few minutes, and let them be kids. As new business owners, there were a few mistakes and a lot of learning along the way. The biggest challenge has been dealing with their monopoly distributor who has unrealistic payment terms, requiring them to pay up front for their orders. That hurdle was overcome on August 14th when they finally won the fight with the supplier and secured much better payment terms. Let me read that line again. Dealing with their monopoly distributor who has unrealistic payment terms requiring them to pay up front. Welcome to fucking business. Nine times out of ten, you have to pay for your shit before they'll send it to you. Like, what do you think? Distributors are just going to give you stuff for free and say, just take it. Once you sell it, then you can pay us. I don't fucking think so. You're reselling items. That's what you are. You go, you buy comic books and collectibles at a discount because you're a wholesaler. You pay them that discounted wholesale price. Then you take it back to your store. You price it and you sell it. And that's how you get your money. Like, I don't know what these people were thinking. Like, oh my God. So as I'm reading this, as you can tell, I'm getting angry and angrier and angrier. And then it gets better, guys. 
It hasn't been an easy road for the business and money is tight. In order to keep product on the shelves and customers coming in, they had to juggle things around to keep the distributor happy. This caused other challenges, as now other payables and obligations had to be renegotiated and fell behind, the big one being rent. All through this process, they have been very transparent with their landlord, explaining the challenges and felt the landlord was working with them. This all changed on August 15th, when the landlord seized their entire inventory. He has given them five days to come up with $30,000, which includes the rent arrears and three months rent in future. Or he will be selling off the inventory. Besides the hit they will take as a local retail store, they are really upset because all the kids' comics that were designated for delivery to the Comic Books for Kids program were included in the inventory that was seized. If you can help, please donate so we can get the inventory back in the store and help Tim keep his dream alive. Well, wake up, fuckers. If you're not going to pay your rent, then yeah, your landlord can seize your assets. Like... Did you not read your lease contract? I don't understand why this is such a surprise. $38,000 in rent arrears? That's a lot. Like, you obviously haven't been paying rent for a very long time. It doesn't matter if you talk to your landlord and you communicate and tell them, oh, you know, we'll pay you soon, we'll pay you soon, we'll pay you soon. Unless you get him to sign an amendment to the lease that says he agrees to you to pay back, you know, a certain amount every week or whatever you decide on, unless he signs something like that, then damn right he's going to seize your assets. You haven't been paying rent. Like, I just don't understand. So, obviously, I had to comment on this because, as you can tell, it angers me. And I just think it's really fucking stupid. So I started by saying, I understand the struggles of juggling everything that comes with having a business, but you must have known that not paying your rent would result in this outcome. Like, to me, that's pretty clear. It doesn't matter if it's a business or a condo or an apartment or a house. You have to pay your rent every month. That's just common sense, isn't it? Their response to that, Melissa, we were paying our rent. We were communicating constantly with our landlord and making weekly payments. We just won a major battle with our distributor, which would drastically improve our cash flow. It's not like we were ghosting him at all. And all we asked for was two more weeks to get caught up. By taking our inventory, we're now unable to pay him. Kind of defeats the purpose. So thanks for your opinion, and if you don't want to help, that's fine. But maybe you should know the whole story before you judge. My response. I read the story. It said you fell behind in rent. Yes, it said you communicated with your landlord, but if you don't get him to sign an amendment to the lease, which agreed upon terms to catch up, the original lease stands and he has every right to do what he did. Sorry, you're in the situation, but the landlord didn't do anything wrong. Their response. We never once said he didn't have a right to do what he did. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it. This isn't just business. There's a human element. Again, thank you for your opinion. And if you don't want to help, that's fine. I don't understand your motive in judging. 
My response, business is business. If every business that made bad financial decisions expected other people to give them money to continue running their businesses, everyone would be broke. And I also don't get her comment that said, just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to. This isn't just a business. There's a human element. You know what? Where's your human element of not paying your rent? You're, you're trying to make the landlord sound like the bad guy here. But the fact is, you didn't pay your rent. Their response. Wow. There is no expectation and the support from the community has been quite overwhelming, actually. We are not in this situation from making bad business decisions. Feel free to come talk to us face to face and get the whole story. Or better yet, until you can say you do everything perfect, maybe you shouldn't judge. Again, what is the point of your post anyway? To make us feel worse than we already do? No, my point is you need to take some responsibility for your fucking actions. Like, seriously. And how am I supposed to come talk to you face to face when your store has been seized? You're not there. Your business has been closed down. So again, I said... I read the article. Why would the information be different face to face? Like, are you telling me the information in the article is not true? Like, I don't get it, man. Like, this is my point, people. No one takes responsibility for anything. When did that change? When did it become just easier for people to just deflect everything and blame other people for your actions? I was talking to Matthew about this, and I read him everything I just read you, and he gave his two cents, and and he he reminded me, because I actually never heard of this comic book store. It's been in Saskatoon for a couple of years, apparently. And he says to me, he's like, I think that was the store that was downtown, They closed downtown because they were running into financial issues, so they moved to a place with cheaper rent. Now, I don't know if that's accurate fact or not. He could be thinking of a different store. But if that's true, then this isn't the first time. And I love how she commented with, we're not in this situation because we made bad financial decisions. Are you sure? Because I think you are. If you chose to not pay your rent because you wanted to pay your distributor instead, that's the decision you consciously made. I'm not going to pay my rent. That's like being in an apartment saying, I'm not going to pay my rent today. I'm going to go shopping. But it's okay. I'll just tell my landlord I'll pay him later. It'll be fine. No, it fucking won't, people. Like, come on. Take responsibility for your fucking actions. Quit blaming other people. Grow the fuck up. And that has been what Matthew would call a Melissa Minute. Thanks for listening, guys. I love how she ends that by saying... 
And that's what Matthew would call a Melissa Murray minute. That really is like a minute of Melissa Murray time. Every single time she calls, she turns to me and says, you know what I saw on Facebook today? That's exactly what I get. And it's different. It's it's a variety show of hate. Uh, and I always ask her, why are you on there? And I've got a, another friend that's similar this way too. I have one friend in Calgary. He's a great guy, very, very smart. Uh, he has decided that in order to, you, you can't just turn off social media. If you want to really be a contributing citizen, you have to call out stupidity. You have so he'll he'll get mixed up on all kinds of political debates and uh, things about politicians and and human rights. He feels that you know when people are spouting fake facts on either side, or just spewing hatred or or, or ruining the public discourse, he needs to be in there as a reassuring voice. And I always tell him, man, like. You're shouting into the wind, but I admire what you're doing. So he does it, and that's his thing, and more power to him. Not for me. Uh, likewise, I don't read anything on social media. I Anything that I've mentioned uh, in the previous podcast about stuff that's pissing me off about the city or whatever, it's because I've accidentally turned tuned into local radio uh, long enough to catch a news clip, and then that's stupid because immediately it lights my switch. Uh, I tell Melissa, if everyone you read about, everything you see on Facebook is dumb, uh, just don't read. And it doesn't work that way. She just needs, she has that need to seek it out and to point it out and to, to combat it. So more power to her. I just, every time she turns to me and says, so I was looking on Facebook today and I just, ugh. Now, the one thing I will say is if you want to get into debates on that with social media, then more power to her and that's fine. But occasionally she'll see something like, hey, did you see like 14 kids got killed in this or a puppy? I don't want to know all those. I know there are terrible, horrible things happening all over the world right now. And I'm just pretty good not knowing, uh, not thinking about it. So that's what she does. And when she wants to launch into it, we'll give her the forum here to uh, let us all know how stupid the person was. And you know what? She She is right. She is a straight shooter. Um, if you catch her and, and she's in the wrong or you can argue the other point, she will, she will agree. Like if you can talk her down and say, no, you, you haven't considered A, B, C, or D, or I think you're wrong because of these points, she will listen open-minded and she will agree and she will change her opinion if, if you can, uh, present a, a counterpoint. And I admire that in her, uh, someday I will decide to try that, um, but that's uh, what she does. She reads the social media and she gets mad at it. For me, uh, the single greatest thing that Facebook has invented is unfollow. That's awesome. So it's not unfriend. I'm not saying you and I aren't friends anymore. You, Hey, we went to high school together or we were on a BBC chat group when I was in my teens or we did a show together three years ago. Or like I have all these people that you know, I've encountered in my life and I've added them as Facebook friends. But then I just, as soon as you start seeing things that they say, it, you just start disliking them. Like there's very few people that your all of your opinions will line up with, but uh, I just unfollow. 
I just, I, 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 when I meet someone new, I add them on Facebook. And then within a couple of weeks, if they haven't given me a reason to unfollow them, they're part of my feed. As soon as they say, so oh, Trump sure has got a point with them foreigners or some idiotic thing like that. I just said unfollow. So now I only want to hear what you have to say. If it has to do with me, you tag me, I'll tune in. That's Matthew news. That is something that interests me. Uh, if, uh, it's not about me, then uh, I don't have to listen and you go and spew off into the void uh, as you wish. The last thing that I, I've noticed, you know, with podcasting that is very unexpected, that's leaning forward. That is the one thing that I'm going to have to adjust here as we go. I've noticed that, uh, three weeks in now I've got this delightful, fancy microphone. It's on a tiny little tripod and it's down on my desk. So I'm actually kind of hunched over like a hunchback speaking very clearly into this microphone. And by the time I'm done each podcast, I've got a crick in my neck and I've sacrificed. I'm not breathing correctly. I should be straight backed so I can get full lungs of air. I have done voice acting before, and this is not the right physical posture. So I'm going to have to change that because guys, my size, we don't care to lean forward a lot. When we do things just start to crease and to fold and sweat starts to, it's just bad. So, uh, this will be the, the last leaning forward podcast we have, uh, tune in next week when we lean either back or up and, uh, hopefully we'll sound a whole lot better and won't sound like we're dying for breath every four to eight words. Guys, uh, just want to say we've got no ad reads this week. Uh, we ran a little over with, uh, Melissa's minute in air quotes, but we will be back again each and every single Monday morning. My name is Matthew Murray. Please check out my website, uh, matthewmurray.ca, double T, double R. I got a double chin. I have still got Christmas dates available for stand-up comedy, so I hope to see you there soon. And this is it. Thank you to Melissa. Thank you to you for listening. And uh, have yourself a delightful week.